I was very intense last night, but I live intense. T-E-N-T-S. I've been living two months out of sleeping bags. Uh, We've moved to Colorado Springs to um, establish an Air Force Academy, a spiritual Air Force Academy. And David and Audrey, once you stand, are are leading that. Wouldn't it be amazing if, if the best and brightest students would give themselves like the guys that get drafted? would give themselves to two years to go on strikes into the unreached people groups to fast and pray to blow a hole open in the heavens so the gospel can run into the Himalayas and break it. Anyway, that's kind of what, we, what we're doing there. Man, I just love sitting under your worship, Daryl, and I don't know the young lady that's singing. It's just like off the charts. You, get you know, I, I love it because I do feel there is... Uh, in your worship, there, there is the intimacy factor, but there's also the dominion. This is a great place to have dominion. Come on. As I said last night, intimacy wins his heart, but dominion gives him glory. And this is no other place. I look about at this place and I'm like, this group could change the whole world. These are the Daniels. And the Daniels. <laughs> I'm actually torn on what to preach on, whether I want to preach on Matthew 16 or the book of Daniel. But they're kind of one and the same. Daniel is the book of the dominion of Christ in the Old Testament. And Matthew is the book of the dominion of Christ in the New Testament. The book of Matthew is all about the coming of the king. The theme of Matthew is the coming of the king. The theme of Daniel is God reigns. God rules in the context of the University of Babylon. Welcome to Boston. Daniel is the book for Boston. It's so good. Shall we go there? Let's try it anyway. And if I change subjects, never mind. You love me anyway. (laughs) We'll go Daniel. And maybe I'll slide over into Matthew. Maybe I've taught this here before, but I'll, I'll just do it again. Before I do, let me comment on the 110. I don't even know if anybody even preached on Psalm 110. This You did? He did. He preached Psalm 110. Psalm 110 is, is the ecclesia of God. Psalm 110 is the risen Christ to his throne. And from that throne, there is an assembly that comes around that throne it's the assembly of the saints. They gather to worship and pray. And from that assembly, he stretches out his rod and he rules in the midst of his enemies. Amen. We want to say today that we love the bridal paradigm. Jesus is the bridegroom and we're the bride. 
The bridal paradigm is all about intimacy with Jesus. It's his lovely, it's his love for us, his fiery eyes of devotion. It's our connection with flame. It's the centerpiece of the body, uh, 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 in many ways, the centerpiece of the church that at the end, we will have a bridegroom with fiery love between us that nothing, no other love will usurp the places of our hearts. But I'll tell you, there is another dimension, and it's not female. It's the masculine Christ. Oh, that doesn't go well in our culture. The masculine Christ. (laughs) Revelation chapter 12. The woman is giving birth to a male child who will rule the earth. When Jesus came and revealed himself at Matthew 16 as the Christ, the son of the living God, he wasn't a female. Don't get mad at me. Mike Bickles gets to call men women. You're the bride of Christ. Well, Jesus is not just the bridegroom. He is the son of the living God. And as the son of the living God, he says, I will build my ecclesia and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus comes to rule. He comes as a man to war. And women can be men just like men can be women in the body of Christ. You didn't get that. They've been telling me for years I'm the bride of Christ. Well, I'll tell you women, you are the sons of the living God called to rule and reign. When Jesus manifests himself in Matthew 16, he is not coming with emotions and feminism. He is coming with masculinity and dominion. New England likes the watered down version. He likes the watered down version of kind of a feminized, neutered Christianity. Don't mess with us here. Everything is, I read an article the other day by a a transgender. And we need to understand, this is rising to understand the pain of of the transgender, the issue. But just because we must relate to it emotionally does not mean that we must bow down to it doctrinally. She said this, quoting Kanye West, Kanye West, that justice, that love, that justice is what love looks like. Speaking of the transgender issue, brothers and sisters, we have got a distorted issue concerning love. Love is not just emotion and giving what people think is their freedom. Love is actually truth manifested in a man. Who, who will have no other gods beside him. He, he's higher than Caesar. Anyway, the book of Daniel is in the context of a Babylonian culture that demands that everybody submit to the newest ideologies. Daniel is thrown into a context of the control of a city that is under demonic powers. 
releasing sexual immorality as valid with all kinds of witchcraft, all kinds of authorities who hate the authority of the God of Israel. This is Daniel's day. You could take notes. Actually, you could actually take notes today. We start in this that Daniel's day is when the people of God have come under the dominion of Babylon because they love the gods of Babylon so much. God says, if you want the gods of Babylon, then I'll take you into exile and you can go to the capital of the worship of the gods of Babylon until you're so sick of it 70 years from now. You'll be ready to go back and re-worship the god of, uh, uh, the god of, uh, of Daniel. Are you, are you, do you know the story? They worship the gods of Babylon. Therefore, God allows Nebuchadnezzar to destroy the capital city of the, of the Jews. He destroys Jerusalem. And teenagers who are the best and brightest of their culture are sent to Babylonian, Babylon to be recultured. Everything in the Babylon culture is designed to drive out their loyalty to Yahweh. Come on, you know where I'm going. Everything in this culture of New England, once the hotbed of revivalism of America, has been recultured to neuter the church. To cause it to blend in with all the others so that there is no distinguishing between the worship of Yahweh and the worships of the cultural gods of Babylon. This is the context. This is Daniel's day. But in the midst of Daniel's day, and by the way, you don't choose the day in which you live, ask Frodo. You can't choose the day you live in, but you can choose what you're going to do in the day that you live in. You can either carry the ring or you can compromise. I have confidence that in the middle of this culture, God is going to raise up a Daniel that will shake the whole system. And I feel coming here, I come to a place that has the potential of it being a Daniel. To shake the whole system. And I'm not kidding. I'm not just. I am daring to believe. That if if this book is in the Bible. This is the perfect book. For Harvard. MIT. Boston College. And all of its ideological pride. Folks. If Derek Prince prophesied. That Boston is the Jericho of America. And when the walls of false ideologies come down, the revival will break out of America. Then, folks, we're going to have to come out of some kind of politically correct cultural neutering to a place. You don't take Jericho by being passive. You go to war with divine revelation that comes from heaven. Come on, I, I, some of you just looking at me and you wonder. I want to tell you, there's a lot of Asians here. They're the best and the brightest. But you didn't come here just to get a good degree. You came here to shake the system with wisdom and revelation that's far better than your professor. Okay, that's Daniel's day. We're in Daniel's day. We're losing most of the kids from Christianity that come to be discipled by the, by the professors of Babylon. 
But in this context, God injects into the system four young men among the youths of Israel. We don't know how many youths of Israel were brought into the the discipling process of of Babylon. They only find four dudes, but it's all he needs to shake the system. Where two or three are gathered in my name, the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Daniel is in his day, but Daniel makes a decision that defines his future. And that decision is this. He will not defile himself with a king's rich food. He draws a line that culture will not dominate me. This culture, I will remain loyal. He allowed his name to be changed to a name after the Babylonian gods. He allowed a name change. He didn't draw the line there. He drew the line on the king's choice foods. I don't fully understand that. Could it be that those foods were offered to gods? Maybe, but it doesn't say that. Could it be that he realized that he was in a hostile environment and he needed to draw a line on his appetites so he could live in the highest level of cultural dominion? By the way, wait till we get to the doctrine of Daniel. Now, you've got to realize Daniel is probably at this stage 14 years old to 17 years old. This is what they would do when they would re, re, uh, re, uh, take exiles and, and want to re-disciple them, whatever, in Babylon. They put them in their university between 14 and 17. You talk about high schoolers that shook the world. Oh, four dudes. And they make a decision. Daniel in his day made a decision as a teenager that would cause him to rule over Babylon for 70 years. While kings came and went, Daniel remained. The last verse of Daniel chapter 1 is that Daniel remained there until the day's first year of King Cyrus. That is incredible. While kings are dying, when they're being removed by this and that, Daniel just remains. You see, the difference with Daniel and the new kind of Christian that goes to university is they blend in. They blend into the culture. Daniel made a decision that he would stand outside of the Babylonian culture. This is, this is stunning to me. He lived in Babylon, but Babylon didn't live in him. That's the statement. The reason he could rule for 70 years over principalities and powers is the culture had no hold on him. This is how you bind principalities and powers. Not by shouting at the devil and then going saturating yourselves in media forever. You actually give above, get above the media culture by living in a place in God that you don't need entertainment because heaven has, is conquering your soul. Yeah. You see, Daniel is the Nazarite marketplace man. And John the Baptist is the Nazarite prophet man. 
Nazarites to the church. The Nazarites are the guys who wouldn't grow their hair, they would grow their hair long. They wouldn't drink wine. Not because it was illegal. It was because they wanted the supreme pleasures of God more than the pleasures of this world. They wanted to be separated so that they could have a high calling and, and, and move history. Are you with me? So you, you see Daniel is a marketplace dude. And John the Baptist. Now John the Baptist as the preacher Nazarite kind of like me trying to be I'm a wannabe John the Baptist I'm actually a wannabe Daniel in fact I'm just going over my story and what I shared last night when the book of Daniel was sealed into my belly I felt like God said Lou you haven't even treated that word you should devour the scroll of Daniel until it possesses you you know the dream was that I'm laying down sleeping and fasting, which I was for 40 days on water with my friends. I'd had a dream that my belly was being operated on. And I woke up and said, are you trying to make me a Daniel that through fasting and prayer, I could shift the history of nations? And in the middle of that fast, that gal calls me, emails me and says, I had a dream. And in the dream, you're sleeping. And those five angels came into your living room and they operated on your belly. Come on, I want to release an operation today. Operated on your belly. They took the book of Daniel, lit it on fire, and sealed it into your belly. And then all these young people begin coming to you called the sons of thunder. I don't know what all that means, but whatever it is, when God thunders, it's going to do something on the earth. Are, are you with me? See, sometimes we get these amazing dreams and prophecies, but we never treat them seriously. I felt like the Lord said, you should be devouring the book of Daniel because there's something in there to light you on fire. And the book of Daniel, the doctrine is that God rules in the midst of Antichrist systems. That's the great news. The book of, the book of Daniel could be the book of the reversal of decrees. I look back when I was in my 20s and I heard man preach on the book of Daniel. I don't know what happened, but they had to carry me into the car. I was wailing so hard for like hours, wailing just at the teaching of Daniel. What was going on? The Lord, as a young man, was identifying me in my essential nature. He was lighting the book and putting it on fire in me. Because I was somehow to manifest the Daniel life in a generation that was going away from God. But God could release divine reversals and send us back to the original intention of a nation. Does this make sense? Oh, Daniel makes a decision. He lives a Daniel fast. We'll find out in chapter 6 of Daniel when he's thrown to the lion's den. How many of you ever thought that Daniel was a young man when he went to the lion's den? Just raise your hand. Nobody lie. Just raise them real high so I can embarrass you. <laughs> Daniel was 81 years old when he went to the lion's den. 
For 70 years, the dude is fasting and praying and moving angels and archangels through his prayers and his fastings. Folks, this is, he started as a 14-year-old. And it says in Daniel 6, he opened his windows when he knew it would cost his life because anyone that would pray to another god besides the king during that 30-day would be thrown in the lion's den. And it says, and he opened his window to Jerusalem just like had been his habit For 70 years, he was dominated with a vision, opening his windows three times a day, saying, someday we're going back to Jerusalem. We're going to get America back to its original intention. That's got to be the spirit of this place, because this is your your covenant. This is why you're here. You thought you came here to get a good job. You came here to be a Daniel, to manifest the dominion of Christ. He makes a decision. And he lives a Daniel fast. He doesn't eat this, eat the king's choice food. He's not arrogant in it. He's humbly asking permission to do this. He's not one of these proud dominionists. And when I say dominion, I'm not saying that Jesus is going to cause us to, to be the rulers of America. I am saying this, that Daniel is a picture of the last day's rebellion. And in the midst of it, God is going to demonstrate kingdom dominion through his saints. And even kings will have to acknowledge the God of Daniel. Who has dominion? He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It's great name, king of kings, Lord of lords, to use in your worship services. It's another thing when you begin to see him as the God over these pagan professors. Who God, he begins to haunt them with dreams so that they're converted because you've prayed with your two or three company, your ecclesia, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He doesn't need many. He needs two or three. I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Anyway, I like it. Now, again, I'm going to go back here. I don't know if I was planning on doing this, but that's just where I'm going. Now, Daniel is, is, is placed in the context of a full-scale idolatrous culture. He's placed there. And he makes the decision, Daniel's decision, is that his appetites would be under the dominion of heaven. Because if your appetites can be under the dominion of heaven, you get authority over the appetites of your culture. You get authority over sexual immorality and pornography, you actually have authority in Christ to stand and actually deliver a generation from their demons. When Jesus went to the cross, he said, the prince of this world cometh, but he has nothing in me. What a statement. That's what an intercessor is. They stand blameless before God, and they come into his presence with authority because they've walked in obedience. They are actually seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, and power, and dominion. Brothers and sisters, that scripture is not just a nice little picture of kind of theological nebulous picture we're seated with Christ far above all rule and authority and power and dominion if that's true why are we seeing the dominion we're not looking for a nice theological idea we're looking for a demonstration of a people who have been joined with Christ not just seated positionally but experientially in the realm of Daniel where archangels are moved by his fastings and his prayers for this is our calling Jesus said, who do you say that I am in the book of Matthew? And Matthew said, 
thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. It brought an eruption from Jesus. He says, oh, you got a revelation that I can now build something with. He's not the bridegroom. Jesus in this manifest, he doesn't reveal himself here as the bridegroom. He reveals him as the Christ, the expected ruler who would crush the Roman Empire. That's awesome. That's how the disciples would have understood. You're the Christ. That's the Messiah that would come and rule the earth. Folks, we need a revelation of Christ in Boston with all these kings and all these rulers and all this, all this compromise. God says, I am the Christ. I am the Christos messianic ruler. And I say to you, Peter, on the basis of your revelation, I say that you're Peter. In other words, now that you understand who I am, I'm going to tell you who you are. You're a, you're a piece of, you're a stone. You're a, you're a chip off the old block. You're a dominion haver too. Come on, did you get that? See, when you begin to understand who Christ is, you get a revelation of Christ. He begins to give you a revelation of yourself. You're no longer, well, you know, I'm just kind of afraid of everybody around here. Just hope I can just get a degree. No, you're the Daniels who are filled with confidence. Because as a teenager, you'll read Daniel's doctrine in chapter 2. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. He raises up kings. He brings them down. He changes times. It's a teenager has Daniel's doctrine like this. Boston needs a company that has that doctrine. He's not sharing his lordship with some kind of petty ruler. Preaches all kinds of false ideologies. I'm waiting for the fulfillment of that scripture we got years ago, that dream years ago, that we went 50 feet underground and Jason Upton was shouting, one, Tim, two. You know, one, two, pray for those in authority. And in the dream, we are having, we are having to explain how all the heads, to all the students, why the heads of the professors were being cut off. That's a nice politically correct statement. If this gets on YouTube. Oh. Uh, one Tim Two underground movement. And we're having to explain why the heads of the professors are being cut off. It means headship is their authority and their ideologies. An underground movement of praying for professors. Come on. That, like Nebuchadnezzar who would have dreams. Give me a shout, someone. No, this is, this is the book of Daniel. Now, folks, you think, well, Daniel's kind of, that's an out there kind of book. I mean, who can be like Daniel? The fact is, Daniel, I said it last night, Daniel is not an anomaly. Daniel is a prototype of the last day's generation. This is the stunning. It, it's the beginning of the times of the Gentiles. No longer is the capital Jerusalem in the timetable of heaven until the end of the age. Now, even through the dreams of Daniel, he's revealing it will be coming the prince of Greece, the Medo-Persians, then Greece, and then, and then the Roman Empire. It's a prophetic picture of the, of the Gentile, the days of the Gentile kings. All the way up until now where Israel becomes a nation. 
And Jerusalem is brought once again in 1948 into the, into the nation of Israel. Now there's a shift. Folks, we share the same time period as Daniel. If he was an anomaly for the first Babylon and the second Babylon is rolling in, what do you think the next generation is going to have to be like to stand in that kind of sin? Are you with me? you got to help me here. It means that possibly, as Paul Cain prophesied, the last generation is going to be moving in such revelation of the Spirit because they will actually live the Daniel fast of Daniel. Could it be that God was actually giving us a prototype of the kind of life that could, could the kind of revelation that Daniel had to move angels and demons at the end of the age? I have a feeling, and it's already happening, David, isn't it? It's already happening. Luke 18 movement. There's a whole movement of students who are beginning to do Daniel fastings, and not just for a week or three weeks. It's not legalism. It's faith that the days of Daniel are coming, and thousands of students are beginning to just live on Daniel fast. That's costly. Oh, but the glory of bread from heaven, better than maple bars. You see, I'm a, you see, Lou, you're just an extremist. Well, tell me Daniel wasn't. That for 70 years, 70 years, he may have just eaten basically vegetables, opened his windows three times a day, dominated by a vision. Come on, that's enough to live your life that Boston would become a city set on a hill with its original intention. How are you going to get that intention if you're basically drifting in your culture rather than challenging with a lifestyle that lives above it? And I'm not talking just about students. I'm talking about brilliant businessmen and women here. You're the Daniels of today. We're not looking for the John the Baptist preachers. Yes, give us some of those. But in most of the world, they are Daniels in the marketplace. Daniel had a diet. He made a decision not to defile himself. For me, I've said I've turned off. I have turned off. You don't have to do this. But I know what it is for me. I have turned off safari. I don't need hours of time on Facebook if I want to be possessed by God. Because you're actually possessed by what you give your time to. I know this is counter to so much of the culture. But our young prophets are filled with hours of Facebook. How are you going to hear a voice when you're hearing so many other voices? He wants to prepare prophets in Babylon. Come on, I, 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 I came here to be really nice, but right, I haven't been this happy for years. I actually want to go back to my kids and remember the times when you were the happiest. The times when you were the happiest. When you were the most consecrated. Filled with God and his pleasure and soul. These are the pleasures at his right hand forever. Give us just a small company of these guys here in Harvard and Babylon. And watch what God does in the next 20 years. So he makes a decision. And that decision's about a diet. Now, I want to tell you, this is not legalism. 
go eat steak to your delights. But some will make decisions that will define their future. My belly was being operated on. That was seven years ago. And I feel him calling me again. Lou, you've not fully lived out the fire of the book of Daniel in your soul. And the times demand it from me. The times demand it. Folks, we're losing a generation. And we're just (laughs) going on business as usual. Not this company. You were born out of a 40-day fast. (laughs) With a three-day stupid Esther fast at the end of it. (laughs) Forgive me, but what was I thinking? Uh, From the beginning, God had given us a dream that the Christian house of prayer was wrestling with the Buddhist house of prayer and it does a reversal and begins to dominate the Buddhist house of prayer. The Lord says, I want to raise up a house of prayer in Boston that will dominate the ideologies of humanism with the superior wisdom. See, Daniel's day led him to a decision that led him into a diet so that he could get into dreams. He could get into the discernment of Daniel that would make him 10 times better than all the other guys. Folks, it's not an anomaly. It's actually, it, it, it's actually a prototype. Are you with me? So Daniel, Daniel in 117 says he received, you, you can look at it, it says there, 117, as these four use. Verse 16, so the overseer continued to withhold their choice foods and the wine they were to drink and kept giving them vegetables. Their fast led to a feast. Time out. Their fast led to a feast. What was the feast? It was a feast of revelation. Jesus, in his 40-day fast, said, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that's proceeding from the mouth of God. You can go on and build your own career, or you could open yourself up to the thoughts of heaven that lead you into circuitous paths that shape the future of the world. Go ahead and build your own dream, but God has a dream. I want to dream his dreams. Look at verse 17. And Daniel went to his house. No, that's another one good one for these four youths god gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams the diet brings supernatural daniel's dreams and visions and revelation fasting makes your life a landing strip for revelation i want bread from heaven I want to feast on revelation. So we see Daniel diet leads to the, the dimensions of the supernatural revelation dreams. And then it goes on in verse 18. At the end of the days, which the king had specified, they were presented before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king talked with them and out of them all, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah. So they entered the king's personal Service. The decision, the di- diet, leads 
to the dream revelation that leads to the distinguishing above all their fellows. Folks, we need people in Boston who are believers in Jesus that are 10 times better. How are you going to be 10 times better than these brilliant people at MIT? By a superior wisdom that comes down from above. Joseph and Daniel and Esther, all three of these are those in the high places of their culture. And all of them are fasting. All of them are dreaming dreams that lead them to a superior place of authority. Come on, lift your hands. I want to pray for you. Father, I'm asking you, God, to raise up Daniels who get superior revelation and divine favor way beyond anybody else that's trying to tell the, to build their own monument. Father, loose Daniels, release dreams and revelation and discernment in Jesus' name. Release the diet of the Daniel fast in seasons where they need to get something from heaven. God, I'm asking that promotion cometh not from the east or the west. He raises up one, brings down another. Lord, I'm asking you, God, to, to promote sons and daughters to the highest places. In the name of Jesus, you've got to believe that. Hopefully you're hungering for this. Oh, seal the book of Daniel. Light it on fire in their bellies today, God. Take this book and light this company on fire. Then Daniel, verse 21, the duration of Daniel, he continues for 70 years. Now in the second year of the reign, so possibly Daniel is 15 years old now. Possibly 18 years old. We don't exactly know. He's a young man, a teenager. And God puts him at a high place with the gift of the interpretation of dreams. Father, I'm asking for the gift of the interpretation of dreams. I want to tell you, all flesh is receiving dreams. The Muslims are receiving dreams. I might have, have today Andrew tell the story where their church began to just pray for dreams and dreams and dreams. And people start getting converted in their dreams. Listen, if the king of Babylon would get dreams. Why not believe that professors are having dreams of Jesus, knocking them off their horse? Oh, come on. We have to have faith. I remember, I remember years ago, my friend, we were talking, we said, why do Muslims always get dreams? Why can't we? You're a, you're a school teacher. Why don't we believe that your kids will have dreams of Jesus and get saved? So that night we pray, God, I pray, we pray that God... Jamie Harris said, God, kids will have dreams and they'll come to them about their dreams. The next day, during their time of recreation or PE or whatever, one of, this kid walks up to Mr. Harris and says, hey, hey, Mr. Harris, guess what? What? I had a dream last night that I was giving my life to Jesus. My friend said, did you give it? Just no, would you like to? Yes, gives his life to Jesus. Why shouldn't we believe that in our hotels? Why shouldn't we believe it that everybody that walks into this place have dreams? You're in their house. What about Daniel in Nebuchadnezzar's house? You just walk by every door. You just start praying for every door. 
Give him dreams. I did this. I did this in Venice in a whole Muslim enclave. And sure enough, dreams begin to break out and people get saved. Folks, this is the language of the last days. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. They'll dream dreams and see vision. All flesh, believers and unbelievers alike. The Muslims are dreaming of the man in white. Folks, why can't secular kids have encounters with Jesus? Because we swept the skies with fastings and prayers. Can I say, we live in a low life of expectation. What about your own businesses? Why don't you have two or three prayer meetings, not just in the prayer room? What if you take your two or three in every place? Jason Ma just recently said to me, he said, Lou, the stadiums are great. They're wonderful, but they're not going to disciple the culture. What's going to disciple the culture is when LeBron James and his two of his basketball players begin to meet in his living room, praying for a breakthrough in their sphere of friends. Come on. Let's take the ecclesia into every place, not just a local permit. Let's take the ruling body, which is not the word church. Sorry, I, I, I don't want to mess, but I'm going to mess. We got the wrong definition. We call it church. When you think of church, what do you think? I'm going to church. I'm gathering there at Hilltop there to, to worship God and be with my family and friends. But Jesus never used the word church in Matthew 16. He used the word ecclesia. The Greek word church comes from a word kurios oikos, the house of the Lord. It was taken from the... And in Scottish, it became Kirke, which was understood as the building. This is where we get the word church. Folks, the church isn't a building. The church isn't just a gathering of friends to worship God. Those guys would have understood it because it was a common word used in Greek. And it was ecclesia. It was a ruling body of a Greek city street. Jesus said, with the revelation that I'm the dominion Christ. I'm the son of God keep coming to take dominion into the world. If you don't have a God in your idea like that, you'll never rule. If you don't see him as his essential nature as the Christ who comes to challenge every gate of Hades, you will never believe for this stuff. But he says this upon this revelation of who I am. I'm going to build something. Two or three companies who invade wherever there is gates of Hades. Why don't we take it there? Brian Kim had a dream of an audible voice. Are you willing to take your intercessions into the center of the plague? You go right into the hell hole and you claim it for Christ. I'm soon to end. Maybe. By the way, your name is Hilltop. It's not just a nice name. Cool name, Hilltop. Hey, Hilltop. Is where the throne of God is. That when the kings of the earth take their stand against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let's cast off his fetters, let's get rid of his rules. But I have installed my own son on his holy hilltop. Saying, ask of me, I'll give you Boston as your inheritance. And the ends of the earth, a student mission movement, as your possession. The hilltop's not a good, nice name for applesauce. Hilltop is who shall ascend the hill of the Lord who has clean hands and a pure heart and ecclesia company. They will say, lift up your heads, O Boston. Be lifted up, you gates of MIT, that the king of glory may come in. It's when he revealed himself as the Christ, the son of the living God, he was really, he was declaring there is no peace of earth that is not mine. 
And the ecclesia is the agency of the Christological dominion. Let me say that again from Dean Briggs. The ecclesia is God's agent for Christological dominion. Nobody wants to even hear the name dominion. It's like a nasty word. I never wanted to play for a losing team. We just bring the last days and I'll sit down and just hope we can hold on. The Bible says occupy till I come. It's a military term. Not to sit in a seat but take ground. Give me the high places of business of Harvard Law School. Those are where the Daniels are. Those are where the sorcerers and the enchanters are. Give us some Daniels with supernatural revelation. Some of you should begin to cry out to God day after day after day for a revelation, for dreams and visions. I asked Rick Joyner, that incredible prophet in America, I asked, did you just, were you born like a prophet? You always just, from your birth, you just could see you were a seer of the heavens. He said, no, I never... Then, then how did you get there? He says, because I wanted prophecy. And so I prayed it day after day. And I saw nothing until one day, boom, the heavens opened. And it hasn't stopped open. Desire prophecy. Desire revelation. Ask for the good gifts. Why do we leave all the revelation for the Old Testament dudes? The king has a dream. And Daniel has his dominion company. Four guys in the University of Babylon. And they're praying and fasting together. I've, I think this is a new thing that's in my heart right now. I've taught the house of prayer, the contending house of prayer, and I want you to go to all the prayer meetings because that's your essential nature. nature, nature. You go to the prayer meetings. But I want to start encouraging. I want to mass multiply two or three gatherings in the hardest, darkest places. In the business offices. Come on. In the government of the mayor's house. You remember the dream we had that the, that uh, Teddy Kennedy was coming to our house of prayer here and was interested and wanting to come under the house of prayer. Folks, God wants to bring government under the dominion of his hill. I'm going to give Andrew, I'm going to let him share two testimonies. This is what I want you to do. I do want you to pick up that book, Jesus Fast. I wish I could tell you the story about it. But I believe this company is called to be a Daniel. And he will loose extended fasting in the seasons of revelation and shifting to move the future. I'm in a season like that for our whole nation. I'm standing for my son. And I'm standing for the nation. And I'm fighting both of those on that front of Daniel 9. I've set my face. And I have a feeling archangels are warring over my prayers right now. I want, to, I want Andrew to come and share two or, two or three testimonies. This is what I want us to do coming out of this place. Would you pray about establishing ecclesias wherever you are? Two or three. I want you to hear these testimonies because they give you kind of the faith of what a small company can do. Go ahead, Andrew. Amen. Um, <clears throat> that's good stuff. You know, I just want to encourage you. Paul said, you know, when he, he'd speak to a, a church in a certain location, how he'd heard of their faith. And uh, I just want to say I've heard, I'm from Illinois, I'm from central Illinois. We've heard of this Boston company of people. Absolutely. We've heard of the J-Hop Boston, not just from Lou, but from others. Yeah. 
And so your faith has inspired our faith. And uh, we have a company of people back in Illinois, and we pray and we contend. We're all, we have a college town just like Boston. Um, we're two hours south of Chicago. But uh, just uh, some testimonies that we've done. We've been praying together. And uh, I'm like Lou. I don't like to lose. And I think we should be more provoked in our spirits when we see the enemy dominating in our culture. Amen. It should provoke something in us when we see the victory of the cross and know that Satan's still having his way, right? So uh, we, we get provoked when we see this stuff, and, um, and we just said, you know what? We've got weapons in the Word, so let's take weapons and begin to implement them. And two weapons we begin to find uh, in Scripture was lightnings and thunderings. And, you know, it's interesting, but the Scripture says that around his throne there's lightnings and thunderings. So we think, hey, if we're a throne company, then we need to go take some of that lightning and thundery, thundering and begin to loose it all over our city. So we come together and begin to pray every night for five days. This is a few years ago. Uh, we prayed every night for, uh, I'm sorry, for three weeks, five days a week. We just prayed for a couple hours every night together. But we didn't let go of these weapons. And we just, you know, we don't even know what we're, we don't even know what we're going to do. We don't even know what's going to happen. We just say, we got weapons and we're just going to launch them into our city and our culture. God, you direct them. So God, begin to release the voice of your thunderings. Begin to shake thunderings and begin to thunder against your enemies. Second Samuel, uh, I believe it's 22, talks about how the enemies will begin to scatter at his thunderings. And the, the enemy will be vanquished at his lightnings. And so we begin to release thunderings and lightnings. We did this every day. Uh, or five days a week for three weeks. One testimony that came from it, I get a, a woman that calls me. We were praying for the whole region, central Illinois. One woman calls me from Peoria, Illinois, uh, which is about 45 minutes away. And she says, this is about two and a half weeks into this time of prayer. She calls me. I haven't seen her in a couple years. She's a Christian. But she calls me and says, Andrew, I had the most powerful dream last night. And she said, the dream actually delivered me. And I said, what, what happened to the dream? Again, this is when we're praying for lightnings and thunderings. She has no idea what we've been praying. And I have no idea about what she's going to tell me. And she says, in the dream, you walked into the room. And when you walked into the room, lightnings and thunderings were going off in the room. And she said, I was laying down in bed. And you said, be clean. And she said, when you said, be clean, a demon left my body. And I woke up out of the dream, and I knew I was delivered from homosexual desires. Amen. And I didn't even know she was dealing with that, that issue in her life. She gave that information because she knew she was delivered and set free. And I had, what's that? And she's still set free, and she's on fire. She's burning. And so to me, that was a, that was a kiss from the Lord to say, you have no idea. What's happening is you're praying. you got one person that just knew you that this happened to, but you have no idea that, that what could be happening across the region. Further testimonies come out because we go out and we pray, God, baptize our city with dreams, with the Holy Spirit. Begin to, you know, we're not just praying for their church. We're praying, God, come to the unbelieving world. Come to those who don't know you and begin to drop the revelation of Christ into their hearts. So I think it's God, but God will send people to me who have a testimony. And, and one girl specifically, you were praying for dreams. we were praying for dreams. Absolutely. Yeah, we were praying for dreams. 
we, we told our, our company of people, we said, we're going to go out to Illinois State University on, on uh, Friday. And so for four days before that, we're going to pray every day and just bomb, you know, whatever that is. But we're just going to bomb this, <laughs> the campus with our prayers and ask that dreams just, you know, fall all over the campus. So we did this for four days. I, the very first thing I do, I walk onto the campus. Literally, I take a step onto the campus. The first two people that I encounter on the campus, I just, I'm not even thinking anything. I'm just walking along, and I hear these two girls in conversation, and the first girl says to the other one, she said, I've been having dreams all week long. And I knew the Lord brought me there to hear that. And I said, well, you know what? God speaks in dreams. What's your dream? And uh, she said, well, actually, she's like, it's just weird. But she said, in the dream, me and my family, we've, we have this, we've built this house, but it's on this really bad foundation. And she says, it's like on this sand and on this dirt. And she said, in the dream, the house collapses and we all die. I said, I got good news for you because that's in the Bible. That's a parable. And there's hope today because Christ is the rock. Long story short, I shared the gospel. She prays with me right there to receive Christ as Lord. Her friend is there, begins to cry at what she's hearing. You know, I, <laughs> the stories like this begin to charge us with faith that the prayer meeting isn't in vain. That something is happening when we gather to pray and believe and God is shaking things. And see, he gives us a little down pay- payment to say, this is just one story of many that you don't know about. And so I've had uh, another, another uh, testimony, if it's okay. Had a, uh, another girl come to our group. And again, we pray for dreams in our city. I've had a prophet come, and she calls it the city of dreams. I'm like, I'm going to claim that. We're the city of dreams. And uh, one woman or one young girl comes to our group, and she said, she said I'm supposed to come here and ask for a guy named Andrew. Um, here's my story. I, um, I've been a practicing homosexual and a practicing Satanist and I had a dream where where Jesus took me and showed me that I was on my way to hell and if I didn't turn from all of these things that this is where I would end up and she said I'm under the craziest fear and I'm I'm terrified and all I need to all I know is I need to come to God so she comes into our group and she gets completely delivered of homosexuality, completely delivered of Satanism. She's got occultic tattoos all over her. Um, she was, she was uh, you know, all gothed out and everything. And today, um, this is about two years later, completely solid in the Lord. She's married, and she is, she is on fire for Jesus. And I just am so thankful to God because I'm believing that what happened to her was a result of a company of people praying right. for dreams in the city. Yeah. One last testimony. Pat Robertson? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lou likes this one. I, I just <laughs> you know, the reason I want it because it's university. Amen. It's a university world. Just tell it. Yeah. I want to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is awesome. I, I just, I, when I was, uh, at college, I went to Illinois State University. I was praying every night for a while, just you know, basically on a week, 
uh, for a week or two, I just was praying every night, God, I want to go evangelize, and I want to go on the campus, open air preach, and will you use me to release signs and wonders? Will you use me to heal the sick? And will you grip hearts and bring them in to the knowledge of you? And I, would, I was asking him this, and one night particularly, it feels like you're laying hold of God. And it just feels like, yes, you know, it's, you feel the answer is yes. <laughs> and I'm praying that. God, I want to go preach the gospel, and I want to see you release signs and wonders, and I want to see masses come to you. And uh, after that prayer meeting, it's about 1 in the morning. I, I was all by myself. I walk into my house, turn on the TV 1 in the morning. The very first thing that comes on is the 700 Club. I don't know if you know what the 700 Club is, but... <laughs> I do, and the 700 Club, a man named Pat Robertson is on there, and he gives words of knowledge sometimes, and he said, right now, uh, there's a young man, you're a college student, your name is Andrew, and you've just been praying if you could open air preach, and if God would use you in healing and signs and wonders. He said, I believe, I believe the Lord says, yes, you just begin to walk with him and believe for it, and you're going to see it. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> so I go I go out onto the campus because I'm thinking, well, I just better go do what the word was, you know, I better just go put myself out there. I'm thinking, how am I gonna draw a crowd? Well, there's these crazy guys out there on the day I'm out there and they're just bashing, you know, it's the it's the God hates everybody <laughs> type message. And uh, I'm like, Well, this is this is not what I expected, but but there's three or 400 people gathered in a circle, so this might be it, Lord. And, uh, and I felt like the Lord said, I, I brought this for you. <laughs> and, I, and so I'm out there, and I felt like God said, but don't you dare go out there until you get my heart for these people. I said, okay. So I had to wait a half hour until I actually started to like people. <laughs> I just really had to get his heart for people, so I'm praying it. And so I, I step out as I feel led, and just so you know, the guy out in the middle, if anybody else tried to come into the middle to give an, a testimony or anything, I mean, the guy berated them, and he was mean. And I, I just thought, well, he is just going to bash me as soon as I walk out here. So I just walk out there, and the man in complete different demeanor says, I'm sorry, did you have something to say? I, I said, well, actually, I do. And I see the man, he leaves the circle and walks away. And now I have three to 400 people left there with me. And so I get, to, <laughs> I get to open up the gospel to him. I just begin to talk to him about the hope of Jesus Christ. I just, you know, you know the gospel. I don't know what, how to say it all, but I just gave the message of Christ. And I don't know, you know those moments where you know the Holy Spirit has shifted and he's there. And it doesn't really matter what you say. You can say anything and the Holy Spirit's on it. And everybody in that circle... I'm trying not to over-exaggerate. It's just what I saw. Everybody in the the circle begins to weep. Boom. Grip with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, I don't know how it happened, but all of a sudden, TV news stations show up. And now they're there. And I get to to preach the gospel on the news. (laughs) And I get to, I get to really, I don't know who, I'm speaking to people I don't even know who I'm speaking to. And so I know in that moment that God is answering prayers and that he's starting to, to grip. I still, I still believe there's answer to that word that Pat Robertson gave me. There's more to come. And I've seen healings. I've seen some breakthroughs. But I'm, I'm contending, just like Lou said, don't forget the prophetic words over your life. Amen. Amen. Come on. That's incredible. 
Can a worship team, uh, here's a response. Some of you are stirred to do a Daniel fast, to live a life higher than pleasures. Even some of you are saying, I'm just going to shut off the news. I'm going to shut off my televisions for a season of time because I want prophetic revelation. I want pleasure from, that's one thing. Second, uh, the, the, uh, the, the second thing is, what was the second thing? What else did I preach about? Oh, take, some of you start forming two or three companies. Fuel your house of prayer, but take your house of prayer right into the center of your business. Right into your school and begin to pray there because you see, what happens is in many ways, you took your prayer meeting to the, to the university. How many say, I believe what Jesus said, where two or three are agreeing together, the gates of Hades. Did he say it? I don't think he's saying, well, that's the smallest common denominator of my gathering. I think in many ways he's saying, this is how I'm going to multiply the kingdom. I could see all your cell groups becoming invasion groups, praying for souls, praying for your where you're meeting, that the neighborhood has dreams. What if we begin to be an invasive people? I'll build my church, my ecclesia, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Gates are not moving forward. They're actually stationary. In other words, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and they're going to invade gates. Give us the gates of Harvard. Your little philosophy building. Hold permity and ask and go into those little gateways and pray that everyone that comes into this place would have dreams of Jesus. In the Jesus movement, a friend of mine, pastor of a church, Sierra Madre, walked out in front of his building with a little square on the sidewalk. And he said, I dedicate this sidewalk to God. Whoever walks on this sidewalk, let them fall to their face and give their life to Christ. He's peeking out the curtains of his building as the guy's walking by, steps on the side. Bam! Falls to his feet, converted. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness. Boston was never given to false demons and ideologies. It's God's. He says, I'm going to raise a people from a hilltop. They'll stretch out an awakening rod. They'll rule. What if you begin to command day after day? Dreams. You see, dreams is the language of the pagan. you got to understand this. The way God gets to people that are against Christ is to come the back door like Pharaoh and haunt them with dreams and send a, da- send a Joseph to interpret it. Folks, we should be praying the Daniel stuff on our own lives. Interpretation of dreams, dreams. Come on. Set your two or threes. God, I want dreams. And then be willing to begin to go out. Some of you heard these testimonies. And you're filled with fire to begin to preach the gospel. Say the days of open air preaching are going to come back when the awakenings begin to come. This is where we started in California. People just got converted. And in the opening prayer, open, open air preaching, you could scatter your seed to so many people. All I ask right now, take hilltop and make it the head, not the tail. Raise up a house of prayer that so challenges the ideologies of Jericho. 
lose the third great awakening that the Ivy League schools leaves will be for the healing of the nations keep them alive with the prophetic give them the music that will bring the dominion of Christ stand with me and declare the Lord reigns the Lord reigns the Lord reigns Many of you that are here today that as he was preaching, you were stirred in your heart. 
And whether it's in the area of business or whether it's in the area that you're a student, regardless of the area of society that God has you in, this is what I want to say to you. Many times throughout my life when I've been stirred and I know that God is calling me into a season of fasting, you know, you kind of get two, three days in and you kind of think, ah, listen, something about it wanes in your heart as far as the clarity of the vision. And this is what I want to say to you today. If there is clarity in your heart right now, I want you as a visible but as an active place of even being accountable before God, of saying, this is what you stirred in me, and I'm going to respond. Because I don't want you to get to Wednesday, and all of a sudden the donut is really appealing. So you just kind of go, oh, I'll pick it up another time. There has to be a strength of resolution in our hearts where you make your resolve. This is what I'm going to say to you. There is something about the power of resolution, of when you say, I set my face I know that this is what God has stirred in my heart, so I will respond. I'm going to respond, and this is my resolve. So it's not about anybody else seeing, and if you don't feel like your heart was stirred in this direction, do not feel pressure. But I want to say, if you know God is stirred in your heart, I challenge you. I challenge you to make a physical response because you're saying before God, I'm resolving in my heart to enter into this season of fasting. I'm resolving in my heart. And for some of you, it might look very different. It looked like, might look like media completely off for 40 days. Some of you complaining, you just need to shut it down and stop speaking death over circumstances. And like Andrew said, until you get the heart of God, don't even open your mouth silence it until you get a word from God. Some of you, it's specifically a Daniel fast. There's people in this room that you know that your entire life, there is supposed to be a posture of fasting. For my husband and I, we have certain areas in our life that even when it's not intensified fasting, it's a constant daily position that we don't move from because of what we're believing for for this city and this region. So there's some of you that just simply need to sign back up today. This is a reset button for you. And I challenge you to respond physically as your resolve before God of saying, I commit myself. I commit myself. So I'm, I'm saying, come respond. Come forward to the altar. Move your physical body as a response of making your commitment and consecrating yourself before God today. For yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory forever.
Blessed fire falling on the city and it's burning with your spirit. Oh, I see fire falling on your people and we're burning with your heart. Oh, I see fire falling on the nation and it's burning with your love. Oh, I see fire falling on the nation. The world is burning with the glory of your name. And I hear thunder roaring Roaring, roaring for your throne, holy, holy, holy. The angels fall, fire, 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 falling down over us.
See you later. 
so many times we're inspired so many times Lord we're provoked but yet we lose God vision God we lose sight of things you're calling us to do Lord I ask God that our eyes would be open God we ask for the continued work of the Spirit of God in our hearts Lord that we may retain God those things that you do inside of us much like this morning God we want to hold on to the preciousness God so we ask God that the impact would be great weighty Lord we we consecrate ourselves Lord once again to you God Holy Spirit Cleave to us, tether us, tether us to your side, God, that we may not lose this moment, God. We may not lose what you're doing. Tether us to this moment, tether us to this time right now, tether us to our tears. God, I ask, I ask, Lord, this would not be easily forgotten we don't want to just be hearers we want to be doers God provoke us to take action God move us from our comfort that we might take action in Jesus name I just want to pray concerning the duration of Daniel can we just believe that God would put something in us so deep that it endures if needs be for 20, 30 years? That's the miracle of Daniel. He, he remains there when everyone else is falling. And when the, all the exiles have gotten comfortable in Babylon, he just, he just remains. So Father, I pray for the spirit of remaining, God. That they will never give up on the promises of God. They would never get jaded. They would hold on with all their heart to the prophecy of Jeremiah that in 70 years, whatever it takes, I'm asking you to give the longevity of Daniel. Put it in. Put it in Daryl. Put it in Bethany and Hilton. A longevity that nothing will drive them off this rock. In Jesus' name, I pray that. Would you take that into your soul? Give me a long obedience in the same direction. Say, give me a long obedience in the same direction 
until I've laid hold of the promise of God. Joseph, 13 years. Daniel, 70 years. Moses, 80 years. I thank you for that. Now just receive the injection of Daniel's soul into you. Receive it. Put it in. Put your hand in your belly. Say, God, I, I, I let this book light me on fire for a lifetime. In Jesus' name, God. There's nothing worse than having to um, make the transition that we're having to make right now because the hotel wants us out by one o'clock. It's kind of the Debbie Downer of uh, having church in this building. But listen, I mean, guys, if there's one thing I think we need in times like this is perseverance. Because, you know, honestly, challenges are going to come. The testing is going to come. But there's something about just persevering, isn't there? And I just want to encourage everyone who has responded to this altar call this morning that you would learn the art of persevering. It's not easy to, to stand as a Daniel in a culture like we have today. But man, if we can just develop that excellence of perseverance, oh, the world would be changed. Anyways, Father, we bless these people. I thank you, Lord, for each and every one of them. And Lord, we don't, just because we're stopping a meeting, God, we're not stopping the work of the Holy Spirit. I just ask, Lord, for a tender heart, Lord, to be developed that the Holy Spirit can speak at any moment, any time. Jesus, we pray all of these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Luke. Can we put our hands together? I hate to do the church thing, but... So just keep in mind...